Good morning, everyone. My name is Lee. I'm one of the ministers here. Uh, I want to add my welcome to Sarah's. It's great to see you all this morning. Uh, I want to encourage you to have your Bibles open, but most of the verses we're going to be looking at are going to be coming on the screen. So, yeah. Um, how about I pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, I pray as we come to the difficult topic of conflict, um, that you would help us to uh, put away distractions, um, that you'd help us to have soft hearts, um, humility before your word, and that I pray that we would trust that your word is powerful, and I pray that it would chip away um, at our pride and our insecurities, uh, that your Holy Spirit um, would do a powerful work in us this morning, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, who is enjoying the new playground? You guys clearly were the other week. It has been nice to you know, see it being enjoyed by all ages. And actually, we have a vision for our new playground. That it would be a thriving playground, engaging our community, where all kinds of people can climb and slide through the stages of life. But last week, I witnessed my first playground conflict. And it may or may not have involved two ministry staff daughters. I don't know, some rumours. (laughs) It was pretty minor, but I did notice both adults and children all respond differently. My initial response was, "Eh, that'll sort itself out. Nope. (laughs) Um, There were tears, and then there were hugs, and an apology, and I actually noticed some older children, not that much older, um, beautifully trying to explain um, and help one of the toddlers understand the wrong that she had done. We all react differently when we're involved with and witness conflict. We fight, we take flight, we freeze, and to be honest, we probably experience most of our conflict at home maybe followed by a school or work or extended family. But there's also conflict here among our church family, and it's not just on the new playground. Last week we were shown from God's word that we should see conflict as an opportunity, an opportunity to point others to the gospel, to the ultimate peace and reconciliation found in Jesus. Um, And Tom gave us an example Um, of how in the midst of horrific conflict um, that is happening in Gaza, out of that darkness are shining stories of churches showing forgiveness and kindness towards people, otherwise um, their enemies. As Christians, we believe that more than anything, people need to know the peace of God. And as Christians, as well as proclaiming that message... As was highlighted this morning, we must embody that message in the midst of our conflicts. And so I want to encourage us in our attempts to be Christ-like in the face of conflict. This morning, though, I want to step away from the global conflicts or the national conflicts, as important as they are to think about, and I actually just want us to have in mind this morning the sort of mundane, daily conflicts we face which for most of us are at home. These conflicts are unavoidable. And to be honest, they're the ones that cause us the most hurt and confusion. But they are also equally opportunities to be Christ-like and to point each other 
to Jesus. These are the conflicts we desperately need God's help in. I know that I do. If I'm honest, speaking on this topic isn't easy for me. And maybe for you it isn't easy to listen to this morning. But my prayer is that for you and I, that in our relationships and in the conflicts that we face, the peace of God will win the day and shine brightly in a world desperate for Jesus. So we're going to dive into God's word um, and see what help and wisdom we can find um, in the pursuit of being ambassadors of reconciliation. All right, the first thing, the first step I see God encouraging us to do in the face of conflict is to hit the slow-mo button. My kids have found the slow-mo button on my phone recently and worked out how to get into my phone. Um, and the other morning they were filming me making silly faces in slow-mo, which was fun until I watched it back again. And it was actually really disturbing to see my own face make all these weird you know, faces, to see it in new light. But when you have the slow-mo feature, it actually helps you see things that you don't notice in real time. And that's what God encourages to do in the face of conflict. It's to slow down. And he's not being hypocritical. He does this himself. Uh, We're told that God is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And we're encouraged in the face of conflict to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Are you slow in conflict? Are you able to slow down? If you're anything like me, we all have sort of this immediate default reaction, which might vary according to the severity and the context of the conflict. So we might respond differently to different people or in you know work and family, we're different. Um, If your knee-jerk reaction is to ignore conflict, to run from it or freeze, or maybe to defend or even attack, it's worth just being aware of. Just know what your knee-jerk reaction is. Because once you are aware of it, once you know that that's how you respond, you might be able to work out why you have that particular knee-jerk reaction. I also want to say... Don't beat yourself or others up about their initial reaction that they have because it's often very difficult to control. And I also want to say, if your default reaction, if you're sitting there thinking, actually, I usually just am really gentle, assertive and engaged all at the same time, give thanks to God. That is incredible. Please don't let it fill you with pride, though. Whatever your knee-jerk reaction is, when someone disagrees with you, accuses you, hurts you, talks behind your back, whatever it is, the first thing to do is to just slow down. When we slow down, we notice things in ourselves, in others, in the situation that we just cannot usually absorb in real time. And pray. Take a moment to pray. You know God. You have a relationship with him. Ask God to help you see things clearly and encourage others in the conflict to slow down and maybe even pray with them if it's you know if you have that relationship please don't use prayer as that you know a time to get your point across though it's not it's simply to ask god for help james also says what 
causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? When we slow down, we give ourselves the space to notice our hearts and why we're hurting and upset. James might have negative or selfish desires in mind here, but even good desires like the desire for rest or justice or to be heard, even those good things can still lead to unhealthy quarreling, holding grudges and ongoing conflict. So slow down, notice what's going on in your heart. And again, pray and ask God to show you what's in your heart. Um, My psychologist often encourages me to be curious. When I find myself running or freezing or being defensive, what am I, what's actually going on? What is it that I am desiring? And in that moment, how can you share your heart, that desire in a way that takes the heat out of the conflict. Slowing down also helps you notice what's going on for the other person you're in conflict with. You can be curious about them and what's going on for them. Slowing down might enable you to ask a caring question. It might lead you to discovering what's actually going on, what they're going through at the moment, what's behind it all. And I think this is what Jesus is encouraging when he says, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus has a pretty good sense of humour. None of us wants to be that person with our pants down while telling someone else to do their top button up. Hitting the, sorry, hitting the slow-mo button helps us take stock. It helps us face up to what we've brought to the conflict. What's actually going on for me before we focus on the other? Um, And Ken Sandy, who is a bit of a guru in this space um, and has seen a lot of people put this into action, he writes, when we overlook others' minor offences and honestly admit our own faults, our opponents will often respond in kind. Often the best way to resolve a conflict, to get someone to notice their part in the conflict, is to first notice our own. I've always been fascinated by these two verses in Proverbs 26. It says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. And then it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Should we answer a fool or not? Yes. No. What? I love this verse. This verse is really encouraging us to stop, slow down, notice what's going on, weigh your options, and then maybe say something, or maybe not. This wisdom is helpful in conflict. Take a breath, pray, consider your options. And that's my next point. The Bible encourages us to stop and consider our options. So you guys have been pretty good at like putting your hand up this morning. If you were wanting to leave North Epping, okay, no one wants to leave North Epping, I know. <laughs> if you had to leave North Epping by car, put your hand up if you would use Norfolk Road. Who would use Norfolk Road? <laughs> Alright. It's okay. You can come back into North Epping, it's just hypothetical. <laughs> Do you know what? For a long time, I thought that North Norfolk Road was like the only way out of North Epping. 
but I've actually worked out that you can leave North Epping without even touching Norfolk Road. Has anyone else worked it out? (laughs) Okay, I'm joking, I'm joking. It's not true. (laughs) Or maybe it is and I just haven't worked it out. There is only one way, there's only one option to get out of North Epping and it's Norfolk Road. It's scary stuff, I know. But unlike North Epping, in conflict, we do have many options. But sometimes we think there is only one way out. Now, remember, after our knee-jerk reaction, we've hit the slow-mo button, now we can consider our options. Often in conflict, we do just resort to the same road. And maybe because your parents yelled in conflict, you yell. Maybe in certain relationships, you're so used to avoiding conflict, you just bottle everything up. I do want to stress that this is so, so hard. And if you're sitting there this morning feeling helpless or confused in conflict, I want to encourage you to keep praying. Cry out to God to do and help you in ways that you can't. Talk to someone about it. Even seek professional help. You know, we get so much help in other areas. We'll take our car to the mechanic for regular checkups or if something is misfiring. How much more our relationships when they're misfiring or even just for regular checkups? There's no shame in doing this. Actually, it's unwise not to seek help when these are the things we value most in our lives. Um, Ken Sandy, in his book, outlines six options, which I'm not going to go through, um, that are all peace-seeking and peace-promoting options in conflict. The idea is that you start at the top and you consider that, and then if that's not going to work for you, you consider the next option and so on and so on. Um, each of these six options has strong biblical backing. Um, sometimes as Christians we can think that the only Christian response is to turn the other cheek. But God's word has much more to offer. So a couple of verses that do relate to these things. Proverbs 19 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they do not listen, take two, one or two others along. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So even Jesus there has sort of steps to work through, options to work through. Now that last bit of the verse sounds pretty rough. But remember how Jesus treated pagans and tax collectors. He showed them radical love and grace. It might just mean adjusting expectations in that relationship if the person is unresponsive. Focusing on helping them know the gospel, which may have lost its grip on their heart. If you're stuck in conflict, confused, hurting, frustrated, feeling hopeless then explore your options. And again, pray. Seek God's wisdom. Ask for strength and help. And seek advice from a mentor, a counsellor, a psychologist, a trusted friend, a church leader, or anyone who can give you some options. You could listen to a podcast or read a book about conflict. 
I would encourage Christian ones, though, or at least be discerning about what you hear from secular voices. All right. Lastly, we've hit the slow-mo button, explored our options. Now I want us to trust in God's unusual ways. This is why I'm hesitant about fully trusting secular wisdom. When I listen to secular stuff and then listen to what God has to say, I find there's often a disconnect. Sometimes there's a beautiful overlap. Um, But I also see that God's solutions to conflict are weird and countercultural at times. So after you've explored your options, before taking action, remind yourself of the unusual ways of God and pray your heart out because these things that I'm about to list are really difficult. And I could list a heap, but these are ones that came to my mind um, when I thought about facing conflict. Am I being humble? Philippians 2 says... Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Value others above yourself. That is not easy. Look to the interests of others in conflict. That is not easy. On humility, can I encourage everyone, but maybe especially parents, to say sorry As the youth and young adults minister here, the amount of youth and young adults that tell me that they never or rarely hear their parents say sorry is pretty disheartening. Do you remember the last time you apologised? It is a good indicator of humility. Am I showing God's love? Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Loving our enemies, showing love to those who don't deserve it, turning the other cheek. This is the love that God has shown to us. We don't deserve his love. He doesn't hold our wrongs against us. He loved us while we were enemies with him in our hearts and minds. This is the gospel that brings us together. This is why we're here. We know why we're to show this love. Paul says it's Christ's love that compels us to love like this. Let the love of God keep washing over you to empower you to love in surprising ways. But again, this is so hard. We need God's help and we must encourage each other to pursue this sort of love in the face of conflict. Now, having said that, it must come with its caveats because God's word doesn't encourage just copying copying bullying or abuse from someone. It tells us that we must flee abusive relationships, especially where there's a power imbalance or where you're vulnerable. Loving someone and separating from someone is not at odds. Am I speaking truthfully? Um, Ephesians 4 encourages us, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of the one body. The body is the body of Christ. We belong to each other. You know, Many of us here might know someone with an autoimmune disease. It's where the body attacks itself. 
And when we're in conflict with each other as Christians, when we're attacking ourselves, attacking the body of Christ, it's, it's like we have an autoimmune disease. When we use our words to attack, when we put each other down, when we lie, gossip and slander, where there's already conflict, it's disastrous. Am I inviting Satan's lies? The next verse in Ephesians 4, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. When we let our anger fester, we allow Satan room to maneuver in our hearts. But this can apply to any feeling. Sadness, jealousy, confusion. If we allow those things to fester, when we leave them unaddressed, when we don't bring them to God, when we don't bring them to the person we're in conflict with, we're opening the door for Satan to feed us lies. Am I willing to forgive? We'll talk about this more in the coming weeks because it is becoming one of those things that is more and more unusual in society today. It's not a virtue anymore, forgiveness. But Ephesians says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I'm going to wrap this talk up now. I'm sure this talk has raised more questions than answers. And maybe for you it's just brought a whole bunch of feelings to the surface. Responding in conflict is really hard. And even when we respond in godly ways... Not perfect, but even when we respond in godly ways, there's no guarantee that the other person is going to respond in kind. And so I want to pray for us from Colossians 3 to finish. Let me pray. Forgiving and merciful God, we are your people, holy and dearly loved. Please clothe us with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Help us to bear with each other and forgive one another in our grievances, to forgive as you have forgiven us. And over all these things, we would put on love, which bind them all together. I pray that the peace of your Son would rule in our hearts, since we are members of one body, his body, And you've called us to peace. Amen.